Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is week three of going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, I don't know how many of you know anything about the book of Ecclesiastes, if you've ever read it, if you know where to find it in the Bible, if you even know how to spell Ecclesiastes. It's found in the middle of the Bible, by the way, close to Psalms, and it's spelled exactly how it sounds. It's probably one of those books you don't read through very often, just like you don't flip through the Bible and you're like, I feel like reading through Leviticus. First and Second Chronicles. Lamentations. Ah, I know. Ecclesiastes. No, probably not. And because there are books in the Bible that we don't look at very often, sometimes we get this view that God's word, any part of it, can't really teach us anything. Obviously, today is one of those days where I'm going to try and prove that idea wrong. In fact, as I was reading through Ecclesiastes 2, I thought it was completely relevant to our world today. Now, it's not very often where you can say that a book that is thousands of years old deals with the same type of things we're dealing with today. That is, unless you remember the words from chapter 1 that told us, there's nothing new under the sun. Any of the things that we deal with in our world today are things that have already been dealt with in the past, just in a different way. So the issues we see in chapter 2 are the same issues we see today. So today we're going to think about what issues are these 11 verses describing to us, and what can we learn from them. And so Solomon, who we identified as the author previously, says to himself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. And what are those pleasures he checks out to see what good can come from them? What kind of pleasure can he find in them? He says, I tried cheering myself with wine. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem. That's concubines, 300 to be exact, plus his 700 wives. As well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. That is quite the list. Wine, buildings, gardens, parks, slaves, animals, wealth, choirs, women, lots and lots of women. There was basically nothing he resisted. And in all of this, he never lost his wisdom. 
Now, there are many wise things people have come up with in recent years. At least they tell themselves it's wisdom. Things like, live your best life now. Or, live a life worth living. Or, live life with no regrets. Or my personal favorite, you only live once. Otherwise known as YOLO. Don't refrain from anything. Try anything. Do what you want. You got one life. Live it to the fullest. Resist no pleasure. Satisfy every craving. No regrets. That is the message of the world we live in today. Yet before there was YOLO, there was SOLO. And I don't mean Han or Ben. I mean Solomon. He lived his like life like this before any millennial did. He lived his best life. And in verse 11, we get to Solomon in his old age. Everything he had done in his life, he was looking back on. This was the legacy that he had built. All of these things. And then he takes a look at it all and sees it's meaningless. It's worthless. A chasing after the wind. He thought he gained everything. And really, he gained nothing. You know what I call that? Regret. You know why the world wants you to live a life with no regrets? Because that means you've made a mistake. You've messed up. And you know what we call that? We call that sin. And we can't talk about sin in the world. Because that means I did something wrong. And I can't be wrong. Because I'm perfect. Well, newsflash, you're not. I'm not. And even the wisest person in his time, and second wisest of all time, still realized he was a sinner. We call that contrition. Being sorry for your sins. And when you're sorry for your sins, and you don't want to do them anymore... We call that repentance. And this is what all of us are called to by God. To acknowledge our sins, to confess them, and to turn away from them. To stop trying to find satisfaction in all the pleasures of this world. Think about it. The wisest man tried everything to find satisfaction. He had so many wives and concubines. And what did he do? As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Those pleasures in life led him astray, and he worshipped other gods. What do the pleasures of this world do? They lead us away from the one true God. Even the wisest man, apart from Jesus, fell into this trap giving in to earthly pleasures rather than following God's will. It gets you nothing. Literally nothing. Because it will just leave you with emptiness. Here's an example of that. Let me read parts of a speech to you. I'm grateful for the acknowledgement of the choices I've made, and I'm also grateful to have lived in a moment in our society where choice exists. 
Because as women and as girls, things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice. I've tried my very best to live a life of my own making and not just a series of events that happened to me. And I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's rights to choose. To choose when to have my children and with whom. You may have heard this speech, you may have even watched it as it happened this month at the Golden Globes. This was given by Michelle Williams. And many people applauded it. And a few disagreed with it. While Solomon looked back at his life and saw that seeking all the pleasures of the world only left him with emptiness, because it's all meaningless, Michelle Williams told the world that seeking her pleasure, her career goals, left her with an empty womb. So whether she realizes it or not, she sacrificed the life of her child to win a trophy. Now, she has had kids since then, but years ago, she chose not to bring one into the world. In a way, her golden globe is no different than the golden calf, worshiping something other than God. It's also fitting that we discuss this topic today because many people, churches around the world, will honor today as the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. You may see fields full of crosses to remind us of the number of, ba of babies aborted every day. 2,700 in the U.S., 260 in Canada, which makes sense since the U.S. is 10 times our population size. We use Michelle Williams as an example, and we've looked at Solomon in God's word. But obviously it's more than them. It's about you, too. What is your golden globe? What you have sacrificed to get what your heart desires? What is it? What is your goal? G-O-L, G-O-A-L, golden globe, if you will. What is your dream, your aspirations, your desires, your pleasures? What are you searching after? Now these things in and of themselves are not bad things. But when they prevent us from doing God's will, from following his command, when they take the place of God, when we look to fill our lives with earthly pleasures rather than finding fulfillment in God, that is when it becomes a problem. That is when we make them idols. Now maybe we start with those who aren't here. Maybe it's sleep, work, sports, money, fame. Those things are more important than being in worship. For those of you who are here, and if you're still listening, what is it for you? Because even though you're here, you still sin and have things that become a higher priority in God than God. Maybe it's pride, notoriety, fame, Good works, earning your salvation, money, greed, sexual immorality, hatred. You know your sins. What is it? And can you sacrifice that? Can you give it up for God? Because there is no trophy worth giving up your salvation for. The answer, of course, is... You can't give up these selfish desires. Not on your own. 
because you're a sinner. We're called to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and we don't. So we seek out other things to fill our lives, to make us feel whole. They're all meaningless, and they all leave us empty. We're called to love the Lord with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. And we don't. We're called to love our enemies. And we don't. Sometimes we might even try and use other people to say, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. You might remember a story like that. A, a certain Pharisee and a tax collector. It didn't turn out so well for the Pharisee. And as much as the Pharisees hated Jesus, he didn't hate them. He loved them. So as much as we might not like Michelle Williams' speech or some of her life choices, she's not the enemy. No person is. Jesus didn't hate anyone. He loved everyone. People are not the enemy. Sin is the enemy. Satan is the enemy. And Jesus Christ came to destroy the enemy, to destroy sin, death, and the devil. And in order to do that, he gave up all the pleasures of this world. He was tempted to sin, and he overcame. And his goal was always about God's will for us. His life was about living for us. And he did it perfectly. And his life was also about dying for us to take the punishment that our sins deserve, to take our death, to take our hell. And he did it completely. He fought for every single one of us on the cross. And he fought to the death to give us life, eternal life, to give us heaven. And his resurrection from the dead proved that he has won the victory for us, that he has conquered sin, death, and the devil. And he gives us the power through the Holy Spirit in faith to help us overcome the selfish pleasures of this world and to live for him. To take the meaningless in the world and find true meaning in him. To take the emptiness that the world leaves us and find fulfillment in him. The final thought I have for you today is this. For anyone who might have an empty womb or any other empty hole inside them, because you filled your life with all kinds of sinful, selfish things, everything but God, there is hope. There's hope in the empty tomb because Christ has done everything for you. There's only one trophy that matters, and it's really a crown. And you heard that in the New Testament reading, the crown of life, or it's also referred to as the crown of righteousness. And it's not one you had to make any sacrifices to get, because Christ made that sacrifice for you. He wore the crown of thorns to give you the crown of eternal life. Amen. 
And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.